Hello everyone, you're listening to J Movie Talk, episode 171, as I'll be talking House Party 2. Yo, play! Yo, can I ask you something? Can I ask you something, please? What? You feel real stupid, don't you? Huh? Look, when are you gonna learn? Oh, and look at this motherfucker. Ass out. No money, no education. This shit gotta stop. I'm... Ah! Ah! Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm back for episode 171 continuing on with sequel month for the month of august i uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, episode 170 as i talked about um terminator 2 judgment day um but uh for this episode i'm talking house party 2 of course from what you heard in the opener and everything like that um so right off the bat before i get into talking about this movie so it's been a long time since i actually watched this movie from beginning to end um i mean i've always been a huge fan of the original trilogy um house party films because i don't acknowledge the fourth movie uh that came after it or whatnot but as far as the original trilogy i've always been a fan of those movies um and it's kind of funny that i only really watched the first and third movie the most and i kind of forget about watching the second movie for whatever reason i don't know why um but that's one of the reasons why i decided to add this to the list of doing for movie sequels um and everything because like i said just haven't watched it in a long time and and i just completely forgot a lot about it outside of like the main premise of kid going to college and and everything like that but i really forgot a lot about this movie so um that was one of the reasons why i wanted to do this movie but um before of course getting into talking about the movie uh the synopsis real quick um when kids college money is stolen by a crooked music promoter play solution is to stage the mother of all pajama parties uh that's pretty much the main premise uh of the movie and this one was directed by uh george jackson and doug mchenry and it was written by rusty rusty conduf he's a co-writer with daryl g nixon both of them wrote the um screenplay and rusty came up with the story concept and reginald he just has the character credits as far as written because he really didn't have a lot a lot to do with this one um of course with the first movie he you know he was the director and it was basically his film school um film that he made um and everything like that but with this one he really didn't have too much to do with the makings of this one and it kind of shows because there is like a tone shift from the first movie to this movie uh, which i'll probably get into talking about more as i get into talking about this film um the cast for this one of course we have um kid and play returning from the first film martin lawrence he returns as Bilal. um bow-legged lou paul anthony and b fine from full force they return um and everything tisha campbell returns to sydney and then we have some new additions to the cast we have uh cameron who plays jamal iman as sheila queen latifah as zora George Stanford Brown as Professor Sinclair, Helen Martin as Mrs. Devers, uh, Tony Burton as Mr. Lee, uh, Christopher Judge as Miles, um, 
And that's pretty much your main cast of characters for this film. And like I was saying earlier, it's uh, directed by George Jackson and Doug McHenry. And looking at their credits and everything. So George Jackson, he um, this was the only film that he actually directed um, and everything. But he did work as a producer on movies like Crush Groove, um, New Jack City, um, House Party 3, Jason Lyric. Uh, the war movie, The Walking Dead, um, A Thin Line Between Love and Hate, which also starred Martin Lawrence, um, the movie called Body Count, uh, I believe that's the one with um, with Ice T playing the bad guy. Uh, no, it's not. This is a different Body Count. Okay, this is the one with David Caruso and Linda Fiorentino. Uh, okay, so there's too many freaking movies called Body Count. Um, that's out there. Uh, also he was a co-executive producer on the tv series malcolm and malcolm and eddie as well uh so that's pretty much uh, for george jackson as far as doug mchenry goes he didn't di- just direct this film he he actually directed jason's lyric and uh kingdom come uh the comedy film and everything so those are, like the most notable movies that he did uh, but also he was a producer on quite a few movies as well um, kind of some of the similar ones that uh, George Jackson because they were like a producing team but I'm trying to see if there's any that stand out that are different from what he did well the brothers in 2001 two can play that game and uh, the of course movie that I don't like to re- reference as being a house party movie um, that Marcus Houston starring one. Um <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, that's your main cast and your um directors and everything. So this movie it kicks off with like a remembrance about Pop, um, played by uh, Robin Harris who passed away um uh, relatively around the time that the first movie came out and everything. But this movie comes out, you know, after that and everything, but he his character is mentioned quite a bit in this movie. And I always kind of felt like his character kind of looms his, I should say his ghost in a way looms over the movie um, in quite a way. And you can tell that he's very much missed, um, which I'll get more to that when talking about certain things. But the whole thing is, is kid has this nightmare about college and in the dream, you have Whoopi Goldberg making a, a cameo appearance as like the professor that's in his dream and she's almost like you know this evil entity to some degree and kid is like scared to death and he's gonna have to deal with the deans of discipline played by full force and players like laughing at him in the dream so in a way the, the dream in somewhat of sorts is kind of foreshadowing to some stuff that we're gonna see throughout the movie so then he wakes up and we find out that he's been living with um play um, and his family for the last year after pops died and everything and it's doing it's his first day of college so the, you know he's kind of nervous about that and he's getting ready to go off to college and whatnot um <clears throat> so before they actually go on to college or whatnot uh play takes kid to meet sheila played by amon who's this who's supposed to be this uh music promoter and everything and she was at one of well not her but um her 
assistant really um rick um he was at one of their shows and he gives play their card and everything like that and that about introducing want to beat them and that they feel that you know sheila could be like a good um a good backer for their music career and this that and the other so play he takes um kid to meet sheila and she's like you know kind of trying to sell them on the fact that she can make them a big star. She was going to do the demo, this, that, and the other. And kids not really feeling it because his main focus is about school. And he don't think that he can do school and try to have a music career at the same time. And he's actually going to take school over uh, the whole music um, career. And of course, play doesn't, you know, understand that really or whatnot. And that's one of the things about this movie too, um, watching it is that there's a huge um like driving force about the importance of of education throughout the whole movie it's about education how important it is for an education especially being a young black man in education so that's one of the things about this movie that's very much different than the first movie where yeah you see like them partially in school but the bulk of the movie takes place with them at the house party or going to the house party or whatnot where as this movie is set on a college campus and we actually spend some time with kid um in some of his classes and things like that but the whole driving thing is about the importance of education so so listen so kid he's like i'm out and everything like this so kid end up going to college play tasting there plays still pissed about the fact that you know he didn't want to um you know jump on board for this whole music thing and everything so he doesn't even help him unpack his stuff or whatnot so you know he drives off pretty much in a huff and leaves kid there and sydney is at the same college and stuff like this and they basically kind of start to go down different paths where they're still together so they've been together for a year um and everything and but when they get to the college or whatnot of course kid has a new roommate in jamal who's this uh white guy who acts black and kind of you know sees himself as a black uh like a black youth in a way it's part of a rap group called uh young black teenagers and none of them were actually black um because they looked at uh being black as a state of mind or whatnot or it'd be interesting to see how a group like that would fly today um or whatnot but but that was a whole shtick and they kind of like incorporated that into his character um and everything so that's kids roommate and then sydney she is rooming with uh zora played by queen latifah who's this uh, upperclassman and she's this very you know strong-willed independent woman and everything which once again is kind of playing off of latifah's um you know persona at the time of you know when she was a rapper and everything was all about woman strength empowerment and everything like that so they so that's one thing too that they played off of both of those actors like real life and incorporated into their characters in the whole college setting and everything um but one of the things about this movie is just how kid and play how their roles are portrayed in this movie opposed to the first where in the first movie it's still like a holdover of kid being the more timid one and you know and kind of 
fumbling his way through things where play seemed to be more the mature one but at the same time play is kind of on the outside in this movie at least he's on the outside because this is where they kind of split a little bit where kid you know his importance the, the thing about him is you know education and he wants to be a writer or whatnot which we never knew too too much about that aspect of him in in the first movie yeah he we see him re- writing rhymes and everything but being a rapper and wanting to actually be a real writer you know we we never got that from his character in the first movie so they basically expanded his character um a lot when it came to that whereas with play he's pretty much the same um he's just a little bit older uh i wouldn't say he's that much wiser to some degree but he he is pretty much the same character so we don't really get to see the we don't like to see like a true um you know evolution of his character i mean yeah he he might do he he does a few things a little different but for the most part he's just still the same character just one year later and you can tell that he's somewhat hurt at the fact that kid is going off to college where he you know didn't go to college and also i mean Bilal he returns and he didn't go to college either so that's kind of a inter- interesting thing where you have like all these main characters and the only one who actually oh i mean i should say of the of the group um you, is that the only one who goes off to college really is kid where Bilal and and play they just have you know they just you know working their way through life play he's working at this uh record store you know he's the manager of this record store where Bilal he's still well we don't really know what Bilal does but he's always coming in trying to uh get uh records he's always trying to get records and everything to um you know as far as like doing so i guess he's like djing that's pretty much what he's doing so that's why he's always coming in so that's it really so that's what their lives have really become but kid is like the only one of them that's really trying to do like something better with their life not saying that you know doing music and everything is not better in their lives but they didn't value education the same way that kid does which that's what i kind of got from this movie um to some degree so um speaking of Bilal one thing about I mean this is Martin Lawrence and whatnot and this is still early on in Martin's career um at this point in time the Martin show hasn't come about but it's it's like right there it's it's about to happen Martin is about to blow up so but in this movie he kind of sort of takes somewhat more of a back seat um in this movie even opposed to the first movie and i think that's one of the things about like the character of jamal being introduced he in a way kind of starts to feel that void of what is missing of Bilal role in this film and and it's just kind of interesting to see like martin takes even more of a back seat here and i think that's one reason why he's not around for the third movie he's replaced um by plays co- cousin and it's stinky or whatnot which i that's like one of the few things about the third movie i really don't like is the character stinky it would have been nice if they did get martin to come back but at this point in time martin is you know the show is full swing uh i mean he about to do bad boys the first movie 
which came out in 95. So Martin was, you know, really on the the come up, the rise at that point in time. But here is like he's somewhat fading out of the whole house party franchise at this point. And you can kind of see it with how his character was even written to some degree, because, I mean, there is a few holdover stuff with him from the first movie, but I did like the fact that they did get away from the whole thing about him having a um, stink breath, even though they kind of sort of bring that back at the end with him constantly spraying, um, you know, uh, spraying the stuff in his mouth and everything, you know, had to keep fresh, you know, fresh breath and everything. But for the most part of him in the movie, that aspect of his character was dropped um, in this movie. So, it was just kind of interesting to like to kind of watch Martin in this movie, like compared to the first movie where you see his role just kind of somewhat dwindles a bit and and everything. But he do get he do get um to spend some time with the girls opposed to the first movie where the running joke was no girls really want to talk to him because he had dragon breath. So I will say that was a, a come up for him, at least in this movie. Um, So I, I kind of spoke already about how kid and Sydney, they pretty much start to kind of go down different roads and everything sydney she's being around zora or whatnot she starts to become more more you know uh, have this uh feminist and uh female empowerment mindset but she's going about it in the way of where she's being more of a follower opposed to actually having like independent thought of her own even though zora is like giving her words of wisdom or whatnot but she's not pushing her agenda onto her she's just trying to you know kick knowledge to her and let her try to figure things out where sydney just kind of starts following her lead and even there's a point in the movie where zori even tells her like like this is me like you need to figure out exactly who you are type of thing so that that kind of plays a role in and then kid he once again is still fumbling his way through of life and stuff like this and just making mistake after mistake um and everything and it gets to a point where they end up going their separate ways for a portion of the movie so uh one thing about this movie too is that we do get the return of full force um the, the, these three nutcases return and it's funny how they're introduced into the movie. Um, there's a scene at the um, record store where Mrs. Deavers, played by Helen Martin, she comes up and because there's a sign about uh, there's help wanted. So she's like, oh, I'm here about the job. And it's like, oh, you are? It's like, well, you know, this job requires, um, you know, having to lift like heavy. It's like, oh, the job's not for me. It's for my three boys. She's like, your boys? Oh, okay. So then we find out that they are her grandsons and everything and then they come over and they remember of course who play in Blauer and she tells them to do this rap do that rap thing y'all do at home yo yo man we ain't auditioning for him not this person we ain't auditioning for him I said do the rap grand alright kick the rap man then freaking paul anthony's character he come with some off the wall ridiculousness and they and the other two just looking like huh like what the hell was that 
and everything. So that's how they kind of come back. But the running thing is that they basically need a job, even though they're supposed to be these, this uh, on the come up rap group too and everything. But they just, they struggling even worse than what uh kid and play and Blau are. So, cause they need a job. So they don't get hired, of course, at the record store, but some way, somehow they get hired as security guards at the, at the college or whatnot. And so they become college security and it's just like, they just ridiculous. And it, I mean, it was funny to see them return and you do kind of see somewhat of a, I want to say a evolution of their characters to some degree, even though it's still hard to believe that these dudes are supposed to be college age uh hell even high school age because there's no i mean them dudes like they're in their 30s but they were playing high school students and yeah it was crazy but it was, it was fun like to see them return even though they have more side stuff by themselves more so than being around kid and play i mean they, they have a few scenes with them but we see more of them by themselves more so than anything um or whatnot so as the movie kind of gets going and this is where we kind of start to get the main plot begins to come into play where Sheila, she comes into the record store and she's like, she's so upset and everything and playing Blau trying to figure out what's going on with her. And she tells, um, she tells them that Rick, you know, basically stole all her money, cleaned her out. So there's no way that she'll be able to do the recording session with them, you know, unless play could come up with some money, you know, for them to do it. And because kid had messed around and left his tuition check in place car, he has the money. And without really thinking, he says, well, I have this check for kid. And without even thinking twice, she takes the check and kid doesn't even really fight her on it. He just lets her leave with it. And Blas like, what are you doing? And everything like that. So she disappears and whatnot. And so kid was at school trying to buy some books and his check gets ends up bouncing or whatnot and come to find out that he doesn't have any money. He don't have any tuition money at all. So he goes to see um play or whatnot and he finds out that Sheila has his money. It's like why exactly does she have his money? And play tries to explain the whole situation to him and he's like he don't want to hear it. So they all decide to go to the record store well the record studio to see uh Sheila and everything. And when they get there and Bilal is basically saying like, look, this man, this was a scam. Y'all got hustled or whatnot. Like, I'm, I'm guarantee you that this is that this Sheila chick wasn't legit and everything, but they don't want to hear it. Well, at least play don't want to hear it. So they get there and they trying to get inside and come to find out, just like Bilal was saying, that whoever's on the inside don't even know who Sheila is, don't know who they are and which it was really all a scam. So they get pissed and while they're there fussing and whatnot, full force show up and the same thing happened to them where they had apparently met with Sheila and everything. And she said that, um, they, that they had her, their money or whatnot for them to record a record and everything. And then they all find out that they all been hustled and everything. And right before they getting ready to leave, the police show up and we get the one cop, from the first movie he returns with a new partner which is a his partner is black this time and they were just so eager to arrest all of them and they all find out that yes yeah, sheila you know that she's basically a scammer and everything like this and she's been going around doing this with people and they just the latest victims of this whole uh scam thing that sheila has going on 
I mean, I, I kind of mentioned a little bit about it, the fact that Robin Harris ghost um, kind of looms over the movie. Um, the way that it, it basically looms over the movie is the fact that there's like certain points in the movie where kid is alone, just trying to gather his thoughts and basically what they do, they kind of use his picture that kid has to play like some of Robin Harris's, um, lines from the first movie, you know, like, you know, about him trying to tell, you know, trying to teach kid and that, you know, he should keep his mind on the books and off the girls and things like that, just certain things like that play over. But one thing about it is that Pops is definitely missed in this movie. He's not around to kind of add more to the film. And I think that's one reason why we get Bernie Mac as Uncle Vesta, his brother, in the third movie. Because they realize, like, yeah, that character is missing. So... We need another Pops type character, and of course, in the form of Bernie Mac as Uncle Vesta, you know, shows up in the third movie. But here you can tell that that character is pretty much missing. But in this movie, as like replacements to some degree for Pops, we do get Professor Sinclair, um, who, you know, who challenges Kid and, you know, he wants the best for him and, you know, and everything like that and gives him words of wisdom and everything and he does kind of act somewhat as a surrogate father-ish type character. And also to Mr. Lee played by Tony Burton, who uh, works as, you know, as the cook um, in the um, dining hall and everything, the faculty dining hall or whatnot. Uh, both of them kind of act as some like fatherly figures for kid, which in, in, in the long run, it is a good thing because of the fact that you have these two older black men who look at this young black man and they want to they're there for to you know as support for him as as mentors um in ways and i did like that aspect of it but instead of having like one character for that they, they kind of split they split that whole thing up into two different characters and they both come from different approaches because there's even one scene where um, the whole thing about kid not, you know, having his tuition and everything like this, um, where he's working in the kitchen and that's when Mr. Lee, he comes in, he tells kid like, Hey, um, Dean, the Dean wants to see you. And because they say that you're not a student and if you're not a student, then you can't work here or whatnot. And he's like, you need to go right now. And because he walks around with this baseball bat because he was he, he acts like a drill sergeant, basically. And when he walks away, when kid leaves him and everything, the camera lingers on Mr. Lee. And you can see like where tears come into his eyes because he see him as, you know, like a son type figure or whatnot. And just like little things like that in regards to those characters of or is one of the things that I do enjoy a lot about this movie, just how those characters are there for the like to prop up kid and be like you know guidance for him um in a lot of ways so play you know feeling bad about everything or whatnot um he decides to try to do right by kid and his way of doing right by kid is basically showing up at the college with uh Bilal and they hook up with Jamal or whatnot and they decide to basically start ripping off the kids to raise money for kids to wishing and they got a good little hustle going on but the fact that they're not raising enough money fast enough so 
Kid's whole so Play's whole plan is to is in in order to raise enough money that he decides that he wants to throw a huge house party on the college campus and everything like this. And kids like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, and I just have to, you know, deal with the consequences um, and everything like that. Or whatnot. Like, no, I'm not. I, I don't want to do that or whatnot. But eventually kid, you know, he changes his mind and we end up getting the whole um, house party. Well, college house party i should say we get that all um happening um i do want to talk about queen latifah's part in this movie so like i was talking about earlier in regards to her she you know uh the character zora you know she's basically like an extension of the real queen latifah and everything and but she acts also too as a mentor and a guidance to uh sydney um in a lot of ways and it is one of because it is one of latifah's like first like major starring roles in a movie because uh, i mean up to that point she had made appearances in, in movies but this was like one of the first movies that she did where she had like a you know pretty good solid role and then of course living single comes along and you know her career pretty much goes from there um and everything as far as in movies but i really liked her character here she she doesn't take any nonsense and everything and she just a really good fleshed out character i thought um and everything but uh well i'll say that for when i get to the whole house party thing um well to the whole dance and stuff and whatnot so one of the so even though so you have sheila and rick as your scammers in regards to kid and play but then we are introduced to christopher judge uh who's best known for playing on the tv series stargate as tilk or whatnot but here he plays miles who is a scammer in himself uh or whatnot he's an upperclassman and i like to refer to him as like a fifth or sixth year senior uh, or whatnot because he's he works at the dean's uh office and everything but he has this facade about him where you know, he comes across like he's so well-mannered and well-kempt and, you know, he speaks very, you know, uh, proper and this, that and the other. But then when he's talking to kid, when there's no one around, he wants to start using the street talk and everything like this. And you realize, like, there's something about this dude that's just not on the up and up. And we find out about that when he realizes, like, you know, kid is having uh, problems as far as staying in school. So he's like, well, yeah, if you give me some money, because, you know, I got somebody on the inside that can help you out by staying in school and this, that and the other. And kid, you know, you know, blindly, you know, is following his lead, gives him the only money that he has. And then, of course, that doesn't pan out. But there had to be a deleted scene or something, because next thing we know miles is hooking up with sydney um and everything because there's this um this whole uh rally or whatnot that latifah is having well zora is having i should say and everyone is pretty much there and that's when we see where sydney and miles are now together and it's like well when exactly did that happen because it's just out of nowhere that they are together because there's no indication that they even knew each other but they just randomly are seen together now and kid he sees them together and that kind of throws kid off because it's like he thinking that miles is a friend of his but at the same time how would miles know who sydney necessarily is i mean he do mention the fact that the kid was talking about 
this girl, but he says that he never said his her name. So how did he find out or put two and two together that they would get unless he probably saw them together something and then that's when he started sleezing up on Sydney or whatnot. But we realized that Miles is pretty much like a scammer um in itself or whatnot. Ralph Tresvant from New Edition and he's performing and everything and we get that and he starts um well he's performing his song that's off the soundtrack or whatnot. And so everybody's like dancing and everything like this. And then uh Tony 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 uh they perform as well now how do you got them to be there i don't know but once again i guess there's some deleted scene stuff like how they just randomly show up there at the college campus to perform and everything so they perform it and then we get this dance off with um kid and play and sydney and this random girl who we never seen before they just all of a sudden become like a dance team and all of a sudden they know the whole they know the same dance routine now this dance off is not as good as the one from the first movie. I mean, the first movie, I mean, of course, it starts out with kid and groove uh, and everything. Groove all out because he was drunk and then play comes in and takes over and then they do it against uh, Sydney and Shireen. But here we just have this random girl that's all of a sudden paired up with Sydney. It's like, who the hell are you? And everything never seen you before but also you just become like dance partner and and it got me to thinking like well where exactly was Shireen at because I mean you still had play and 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 uh Bilal you know from back home and everything and they were always around it's like well what happened to Shireen it's like what I guess Sydney and Shireen they weren't friends no more or something like that it, or or something it's like they just didn't bring back aj johnson for whatever reason for the second movie and it would have been cool if they did bring her back and and like i say just this dancing dance off wasn't really all that great to be honest i i didn't i didn't really feel this one like you know like the first one the first one is iconic in a way that's just a great dance dance off but this one it just felt like it was randomly thrown together and even the even the routine that kid and play do wasn't all that great opposed to the first one which you know, it had more choreography and everybody was like really into that or whatnot. And plus, I mean, you had Full Forces Ain't My Type of Hype playing in the first one. Um, but yeah, it just kind of got me thinking like, what happened to Shireen? Like, where where did Shireen go? Like, where did she go? Um, and everything. And she never returns and there's never any mention of her again in the series um, or whatnot. So while at the party or whatnot, we see because there was a quick scene going back to the uh, the rally or whatnot after um, Zora does her um, knowledge is power rap while she stand off at the side when Professor Sinclair goes to um, speak. We get the return of Rick. He shows up and he comes up giving Zora his card and saying that, oh, you know, I think we can make you a big star, blah, blah, blah. So rick is also at the pajama party he comes over and finds zora and he goes to introduce her to his uh business partner uh which is sheila who's going by a different name it's more of an african name i forgot exactly what it was but it's more of an african name and everything and basically they're trying to pull that same scam with uh, zora and everything um or whatnot so while all that's going on um miles this is where like miles really begins i want to say he 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 really shows his true colors and they even like turn miles into like a wolf basically but in my case i feel like miles he he came across like a real creep 
in a way. And it was almost like he wanted to really do something to Sydney. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, was he going to, like, rape her in a way? Because the way it kind of goes where there's this whole kind of budding feud between Kid and Miles and everything about, especially when it becomes, like, ladies' choice of, with the dance. Like, ladies, you pick the dude that you want to dance with. So, Kid, he's thinking that him and Sydney is going to dance together. Then Miles shows up. He's like, hold on, I was here first. And it's like, well, let, let Sydney decide. It's like, this is my woman. So, she was like, I never said I was either one of you women. So kid he gets you know pissed and everything and while when they go up to perform their song kid and play dude that's when miles he shows up and he gives um sydney a freaking flask to drink and she's drinking out of it and then he's trying to take her away and kid he you know tries to stop miles from taking her. And that's when the whole thing about him looking like a wolf and it's like what the hell exactly were you planning on doing because you punch out kid and then you started like pulling Sydney away and it's like is was that the plan you was gonna get her drunk and maybe you you spiked that freaking flash because we don't really see him drink out of it so much but we know he give it to her and it's like yeah maybe he was planning on like raping her or whatnot and even though it's kind of subtle wasn't it? but it's like dude's a scammer plus he's a creep at the same time so that's when we get this whole thing jumping off with them and while that's all going on, that's when Play, he sees uh, Rick and, and Sheila and everything. So then we get this whole like chase throughout the uh, out the hall and everything. And they run upstairs and whatnot. And then just it's just a crazy like chase scenario scene where they running all over chasing each other. Because at this point, full force, they've shown up because they've been going around to the different like buildings in the school trying to find out where the party is till they finally get to the freaking dining uh hall or whatnot and get there so they end up getting in the chase so you get this whole big chasing or whatnot and it just turns into this whole big ridiculous mess and we get some few callbacks to the first movie where uh like the scene in the first movie when kid is running from full force and he jumps over the, the fence and everything he's there and he's seeing this like real fat dude having sex with this woman or whatnot. And then he comes out with his big gun and starts shooting at them as they run off. We get the return of him. Now, what exactly was he doing at a freaking college campus um, having sex? Because Play ends up under the under his bed somehow. That's when we see the return of him. And then that's when, once again, he comes out with his big gun and he's shooting him, but at the same time, I was like, this grown behind man, what is he doing on a college campus or whatnot? So that was, but it was just a funny, like, little callback to the first movie in regards to his character and and everything. And then we get up on the roof where um, where Miles and Kid, they have, like, a fight, and, and Miles is beating the hell out of Kid, but then some way, somehow, Kid gets the better of him, and Miles, like, goes to punch, and they're right there, like, at the top and everything where he can go crashing through down to the floor mile trips and he falls and falls straight through and lands in the huge cake and everything and then um full force they end up getting rick and tossing him you know back in and everything because zora actually knocks out sheila so that's how they end up all getting caught 
or whatnot. And that's when everything gets explained because uh, the dean, he comes in demanding them, like, what is going on here or whatnot. The cops show up, the same two cops that arrested uh, all of them earlier in the movie. They show up and that's when they find out that Sheila, who Sheila is and about Rick and then also too about Miles and everything. So they end up all getting taken away or whatnot. And Full Force is actually deemed as heroes or whatnot because of, of the fact that they went above and beyond to bring down some nefarious um, characters, you know, in regards to all these scammers or whatnot. So they get deemed as like heroes and everything. So, um... After all of that, uh, Mr. Lee, he shows up after the party is being killed and everything. And he's very upset with um, he's very upset with kid about, you know, everything that's happened. It's like, well, if you had money troubles, you could have came and just talked to me. And kid was like, I, I just couldn't. I had to do things my way and everything and play. He's all happy because they actually raised all of his money. So kid forces um play to give him the money and he gives it all to mr lee about fixing the damages to the dining hall and everything and then you know everything kind of goes from there um so after that kid you know he's basically forced to leave school because he doesn't have his tuition money he's being he basically has to leave school or whatnot and before he actually leaves he goes to say goodbye to mr lee who tells him like you know if you need anything, you know, if you need anything at all, you know, you just come and, you know, I can help you out as best I can. It's like and when you if you come back to school and say, I keep a um, I keep a cap for you because he has to wear, you know, like the little cap over his head whenever he's working in the kitchen. In fact, he has this outrageous high top fade. His fade in the second movie is more outrageous than what it was in the first movie um, and everything. So he leaves him and then he goes to see Professor Sinclair, who he's kind of had the most interaction with. And he tells him, like, yeah, I'm sorry, I got to leave school and everything like this. And I like the little I like the scenes between them, um, Sin Professor Sinclair kid and also kid and Mr. Lee, because like I say, those are like his two fatherly mentors and everything and just how they you know, want the best for him. And I really like what professor Sinclair tells him about the fact when kid says like, well, I got to leave, but I'm going to be back. And he, and he just tells it to him straight. Like, you know, a lot of people say that they'll be back, but they never come back. He say, I really hope that you do come back because you are a gifted writer and, and everything like that. So like I say, the whole thing, like the whole value of education really gets, pushed in this movie a lot and everything so after all of that and, and another thing too before i actually go into like wrapping this up this movie has more of a serious tone to it than the first movie yeah there's some comedy aspects to it but it, it has a little bit more of a serious tone like it's the whole college thing where everyone's supposed to be like more mature the fact that his kid has to is really struggling um being in school the whole you know, think about his tuition money being taken from him and the fact that he's still trying his hardest to succeed in college. Um, the fact that he's not allowed to go into uh, like the the facilities that he need, like the library or even the freaking lunch hall or whatnot, because he doesn't have his student ID anymore. And Jamal has to bring him food to the dormitory and things like that. And it's just a lot of stuff that is 
is shown in a very serious light whereas the first movie yeah there's some serious stuff but it's all kind of tongue-in-cheek for most of the part but this movie it takes more of a serious tone to it it doesn't play it so much for laughs in a way with a lot of stuff um that is shown like i say with whole kids struggling the fact that you have these scammers you know taking advantage of people in the music industry um basically that's i mean that that's one of the things that they really talk about um and they don't you know go that route as far as like just talking about it per se but it's the fact that you have these people that are scamming these young artists out of out of money or whatnot so like i said that's like some of the stuff that makes this movie a little bit more serious than what even the first movie was and another thing too was that i feel like a lot of the side characters that we saw in the first movie they're heavily missed in this movie we don't get a lot of those type of we don't get your grooves and your chills and and even um the anthony johnson character with the jericho drip and and the whole thing about the dudes in the bathroom with the broke toilet and everything like that even though there's like some references to those and even chill he returns for a quick second and he bumps into the dj table um or whatnot but we really don't get like a lot of those side characters like we did in the first movie here and i I guess because they wanted to make it more of a serious movie so you kind of have to take away a lot of those characters so we don't get a lot of that here um or whatnot but like i say they are somewhat missed um in regards to a lot of things um and it was cool to see Wolfie goldberg make a cameo uh, at the beginning and at the very end of the movie because at the end when kid is waiting on play to show up you know so he can go back home with them and everything and we get the return of the old yellow uh mustard car that kid was originally had in the first movie because the car he was riding for most of this movie was this new fancy car and everything that he he named for play um or whatnot but at the end because basically what he did he went and sold the car in order to get kids tuition money and allowing kids to stay in school and one of the best lines in the movie is about paying what you owe um i really i really like that line and like how it significant in this movie because Bilal actually does that says that to play in regards to the fact that he gave him more money than what he needed to pay for the records that he was getting but at the same time he's like well you know i just gotta pay what i owe and everything because he had been basically getting away with getting more than what he should have been getting from play at the record store. So he finally paid him what he actually owed him with even more interest. So that comes back at the end with play, you know, coming back and doing what was best for kid at the end by allowing him to stay in school. And he even tells like, look, I'm be coming back here, checking up on you to make sure that you doing what you're supposed to do because now you are an investment um, and everything like that so i mean that's pretty much how the movie ends with you know kid being allowed to stay in school and everything like that um so that's pretty much it really uh for the movie like i said i enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i i won't say that i thought i would it's just the fact that i completely forgot about the movie and everything um that i didn't remember a lot of stuff and i think the last time i really saw the movie from beginning is when i was a kid so like i say watching it now as an adult and just looking at some of the stuff that's in the movie it's like yeah this actually was a little bit more mature movie than 
than I remember. And then, I mean, I know the third movie kind of goes back to somewhat similar ish to the first movie by having a lot more laughs and jokes and things of that nature, and especially all the stuff with Bernie Mac's character or whatnot. But this movie, I think, is very good for what it was. So if I had to give the movie a rating, I'd give it a solid, you know what, I would actually give it a solid four. I think as a whole, I think it, because it promotes a better message than the first movie um to some degree the first movie like i said just so it's just a comedy really um but this one it has a little bit more serious seriousness to it and it's promoting about education and you know and, and things like that so i would actually give it a solid four just for that standpoint um or whatnot even though there's a few things about it that i don't like and and i miss from the first movie but i feel that it has a better message than what the first movie gives gives us um even though i enjoy the first movie a lot but this one just has a little bit better message and if i had to go with a favorite character i probably i don't know it's kind of you know i probably say it's kind of i i go with uh i go with zora i go with queen latifah as, as my favorite character i think she like i say she's just a solid all-around character um in this movie and even though she was about to get scammed but they don't show her actually getting scammed um like some of the other main characters do even though is the potential was there but they it's like they stop it short from her actually getting scammed like like kid and play and and um full force and and sydney being scammed by these other people they they stop it like right before it happens so i uh, like i said i really like that um aspect of it so that's pretty much it for this episode. I want to thank you guys for listening, as always. Um, of course, you can find me on the Twitter at JMovieTalk, um, as well as TV Zone Podcast Network's Twitter at TV Zone Podcast, TV Zone underscore podcast on, um, on Twitter as well. Um, of course, our host site is Anchor, where you can hear all of Movie Talk, as well as the other podcasts that we have on the network as well. Um I will be back for episode 172 as I'll be reviewing Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 uh, to continue on with um, sequels month. So I will catch you guys next time. Peace. But I've been down all day today. Let's have a hot